Good evening, everyone. Uh, welcome to Bright Lights, uh, your weekly, I call it an excursion, into the world of achievement and achievers, where each week we bring you an achiever to tell you their stories and how they overcame obstacles and challenges, uh, how they set goals and the sacrifice they made to reach those goals. And uh, I'm pretty consistent in my belief that we all can be whatever we want to be uh, once we set a goal and put our minds to it. And it normally takes a certain amount, of, thank you, man. And normally takes us my certain amount of tenacity to do that. I got some great staff here. Uh, and every once in a while I mention them, Sasha, Joe, uh, Ava, Jim, Curtis, and uh, here in the studio, uh, my man, Studio Matt, and he just adjusts the lighting for me, and he looks after me. And so I got a lot of people looking after me on this podcast, and I really appreciate it. Um, so once again, uh, coming to you uh, from our studio here live in North Minneapolis, another great day in the hood, a blessed day in the hood. Uh, tonight's guest, I'm really excited about a young man, uh, Zach Redmond, who has uh, started up a gourmet uh, popcorn business. I read about Zach and I thought, hey, this is what I'm looking for. These are the type of stories we want to share with people uh, because so many of our young people out there, and I like the fact that he's young compared to me, uh, so many of our young people, as I say, they just hear so much negative stuff and how hard it is and how unfair it is and how tough it is and, and um, what happened to 200 years ago and all that stuff. And it's just enough to uh, make you not want to try uh, if everything is stacked against you and unfair. And then we add that to the critical race theories and all that stuff that's going on. So uh, we here like to uh, give another side of that story and give some positive things and inspire our young people. Uh, you'd be amazed at the number of young people that I come across, especially young men who never thought about goals in life, who just trying to make it through the day, looking for next week. And once you start mentioning that to them, you can tell right away, uh, uh, change comes over them, and uh, I don't BS them about stuff. I, I get them to focus on the, them and what they're doing, their habits, what time they're getting up, uh, whether they have goals that they want to uh, uh, achieve in life, uh, whether they're being disciplined, uh, the type of people they're hanging out with. I get people to uh, focus on that because that's what the elders that raised me had me focus on, and I'm just blessed that they did. They didn't tell me about the world. I didn't know. I didn't know I couldn't do anything I wanted to do in life because nobody ever told me that. I never heard that. So, anyway, uh, before we get to uh, Mr. Redman, a couple of housekeeping things from the last podcast. First of all, uh, I had a couple of questions from people. Uh, one said, "Well, what did Morgan?" Because I mentioned Morgan Freeman talked about Black History Month on 60 Minutes with Mike Wallace. And actually, my mom was my wife. She said, you should have told him what, the, what the, uh, Morgan Freeman said. But I was summarizing. He basically said he didn't like Black History Month because Black history was American history. And he didn't like the fact they had a separate month for Black history. And then Mike Wallace said, oh, you know, Mike Wallace, he, he had an issue with that. He couldn't understand it. And then uh, Morgan Freeman came back and said, why don't we have a white history month? And Mike Wallace said, well, I'm not white, I'm Jewish. And they went back and forth. And Morgan Freeman like, why don't we have a Jewish history month? And then Mike Wallace finally said, I don't want a Jewish history month. And Morgan said, oh, well, then I don't want a black history month. 
And it's a nice little exchange. So go out and, and, and take a look at that. Uh, the second thing about it, uh, uh, cleanup I got to do is I talked about Hazel Scott. And this lady was just so powerful and talented. Uh, like I said, she had the first national black television show. And I, I, I mentioned that uh, uh, she was Oprah before there was Oprah. Actually, she was more than Oprah. Uh, she was like Oprah, and she had the musical talent. She had the national exposure in television like Oprah. Uh, she had the musical talent, I'll say, like Alicia Keys. She was a musical prodigy like Alicia Keys, and she was a movie star like uh, Viola Davis. So she was a combination of Oprah, Alicia Keys, and Viola Davis, and her congressman husband that she was married to he was like the Obama of his day, the most famous black politician there was. And uh, his name was Adam Clayton Powell, uh, the congressman from uh, uh, Harlem. I think he might have been the second uh, congressman uh, after the Reconstruction period. So I wanted to clean that all up for you uh, based on some responses I got back. Uh, so let's wrap it up. And we talked about uh, two-parent families. And I was reminded of the uh, a study that uh, uh, Senator Patrick Moynihan did back in the uh, mid-60s, early 60s, called The Negro Family and the Crisis for National Action. And I think at that time, uh, one, 25% uh, of black children were born out of wedlock. And I think at that time, it was like a small percentage of whites. And since that time, it's been flipped. Three out of four back in those early 60s were born to married couples. Now, one out of four is born to married couple, and three out of four are basically uh, being uh, raised. And, and, and I know some people are going to quabble with the details on this, but generally speaking, are uh, being raised in one-parent homes. And I see a lot of children in one-parent home, and I can see the challenges there. And I can see the challenges for our young black males there. And... Uh, uh, especially when compared to uh, my upbringing. And so uh, it, it, right now, uh, it has transitioned to, I, I think, 30% uh, uh, white uh, children are born uh, to single parents. And I think it's like 50% of uh, Latinos, Hispanic, and then almost 75% of uh, 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 black children are born out of wake locks. And I say this because I'm tired of seeing us get killed. Uh, I know that's no easy answer. I know rebuilding the black family is not something we're going to achieve overnight. I know there's a lot of opinions out there that all we need to do is find more mentors and more uh, programs like Big Brothers and Big Sisters. And they don't. there are people out there who think we can't uh, rebuild the family. And all I say to this before I get to my guest is if you think we can't, rebuild the black family, you're right. But you know, the great part of that, about that is that if you think you, we can rebuild the black family, you're also right. So it just starts with your attitude uh, about what we're trying to do. Uh, and where there's a will, I do believe there's a way. So that's all I have to say. Uh, on that, oh, I'm sorry. One last thing, I, I, I made the statement that uh, 
And I believe this marriage is what separate men from the boys, or as T.D. Jake said, marriage is for grown-ups. If you ain't grown, you can't deal with marriage, and it just makes you grow and makes you a better man, I think, uh, makes you put other people's uh, well-being ahead of your own, and that's part of growing up and being mature. So that's all I have to say on that. Anybody got any challenges uh, on what I say, you can uh, – Send me messages at LaceyJohnson.com. We'll respond to it or on social media. And I'm happy to uh, debate or either be wrong or have a dialogue with anyone on any of these subjects that you disagree with me on. And as I said, I don't mind being wrong because that's when I learn things. Okay. Said enough. Uh, your guest is waiting. Uh, young man, Zach Redmond. Uh, excited to talk to him. So, Zach, uh, welcome to Bright Lights. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, uh, and normally, just so our audience know, we do chat a little bit before we come on the air here. And I let Zach know that I was very excited uh, about uh, talking with him and uh, what he's accomplished in his life and his background. Uh, so let's get let's just get started here, Zach. Okay, so tell us about yourself, Zach. Uh, I guess uh, those who are familiar with my podcast know that one of my favorite poetic verses is the child is the father of the man. And so we want to learn a little bit about Zach the child before we get into all the great things that uh, Zach the man has done. So tell us about your childhood, uh, Zach, where you grew up. Where you, well, first of all, where did you grow up at? And tell us a little bit about your family growing up. Um, so I'm originally from Gary, Indiana. My mom moved us to Minnesota in 96. Um, but before like we moved up here, um, I pretty much, we stayed with my grandma for a few years. My mom, we got a, like an apartment down the street. Um, we stayed there for a while. There was a lot of stuff going on. It was gang violence, uh, drugs, just just a lot of just nonsense. So um, after my cousin passed away, which was kind of like the uh, straw that broke the camel's back, and then we moved to Minnesota, and my mom got us away from the negative. And uh, we went to school, you know, got good grades, was, you know, pretty popular kid just because I just, I talk to everybody. I get along with pretty much everyone. I'm not the type to think I'm better than anybody. I'm a really humble guy. So um, that's pretty much like, you know, how, how we got here to Minnesota. And then, you know, my mom just worked a lot. We helped raise my little sister. Um, just just being, you know, like a normal kid. We had a, a, a nice upbringing. It wasn't, you know, anything, you know, crazy besides when we stayed in Gary. But other than that, Minnesota was, it was cool. Yeah, Gary is known like a, known as a tough little town. Uh, yeah. I know sometimes referred to it as little Chicago. Well, now, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, you mentioned that your cousin passed away was a result of some of the street life or was did he just pass away from uh medical uh condition uh well so my cousin that passed away 
the of the 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 you know the one so he passed away through the like street stuff you know okay. he uh just some stuff happened i, I really don't want to like talk about it okay. too much but uh, yeah like some stuff happened um some dr like dramatic stuff and just kind of was like you know what my mom was like we got to leave like right. it can't you know she wanted better for us so right. you know when i was young me and my brother we used to always sit in the room and tell ourselves like we're not gonna be those two kids that put our mom through nonsense which is gang banging being in the streets selling drugs that's something that i vouched to myself and to my brother and to my family that like i'll never do that that'll never be a thing that uh, that you'll hear about me or my brother my because i got an identical twin brother named zarek redmond he cuts hair okay now when i look back on my childhood uh, i can see where even if your parents had uh, good intentions for you that you're going to school, you're hanging out with these gangbangers and all these people that it still might could have influenced you. I mean, you're going to school with these uh, youth, shall I say. Uh, how how did you escape? It's still not influencing you. Uh, your mom must have been a pretty special lady. And uh, so, how, but basically, how did you escape? And what does that say about how special your mother was? So, uh, yes. Just, hey, oh, uh -huh. so yeah, so her name is Rhonda Faye, Rhonda Faye Morris. Uh -huh. Um, but like honestly, man, just seeing my mom work so hard and bust her butt and do the things she had, she was a superwoman in my opinion. Yeah, you know, yeah. she she's a rare, she's she's rare, and I'm not yeah. just saying it because she's my mom, she's a very rare woman, and she, like. <laughs> She didn't play. She ran the house with an iron fist. Um, she made sure, you know, just because I'm a woman, don't think I won't, hey, don't think mm -hmm. I won't kick your butt. Mm -hmm. So that, and then on top of that, just like I told, like I said, like I vouched to myself. Like I used to tell myself, my mama tell you, I used to tell myself when I was like 10, 11 years old, mom, I'm the man of the house. I'm the man of the house. So I used to do the, you know, like mm -hmm. help her bring groceries up. I'm still super protective of my mom. I don't, you know, that's that's my baby. I lost my dad maybe six, seven years ago. So, and that was my homeboy. Like me and my dad was like this. So mm -hmm. it was like, I always felt like, you know, no matter what I wanted to be that gym for my, my parents, I wanted to be that kid that they could see that, like no matter what's going on around me, I would never be influenced by negative because my cousin we lost in Indiana, we lost him to a negative reason. He was a very good person. He had a good soul. He had a good heart. It's just the things he got tied up into. The streets don't care about you. They don't care about your family. They don't care about the person you are. Is the, the the streets are the streets. You know, like my, my dad said before he passed, he said, Zach, the game don't change. The players just get younger. And that's exactly what's happening now. I'm almost Man. 40. I'm 36. Man. But now I'm starting to see the youth. It there, there is they're so lost and misguided. And yeah. I feel like I'm at the perfect age where I can teach, I can show them the way, I can guide them, I can give them a blueprint 
to be successful, regardless on if it's popcorn, you selling shoes, you do art, you make cakes, whatever you do, you just got to be good at what you do and give it your all. And that's all I tell people. You know, I started with a small dream and look at where I'm at now. And it's just be, it's due to the fact that I'm a humble soul and I don't expect anything from anybody. Only thing I do is just walk, walk, you know, in the right, in the right direction as far as, you know, if I feel like I want to be treated this way, then I'm going to treat this person this way. But I'm not a disrespectful person. I give you the shirt off my back. And that's just because that's just how I am. Well, that's where your blessings come in at. That's why you are where you are today. Now, you mentioned that, uh, I think you said you moved to Minneapolis in 1996. Did I remember that? Yes, right? sir. How, how old were you? At, at I was nine. You were nine. Okay. So you moved to Minneapolis. Your mom is trying to find a better life for you. How did you feel about the move uh, to Minneapolis when you first got here? And what? difference i'm assuming you saw a difference right away and oh what yeah. night and day so you know gary indiana is just rough yes it is you know, it's a rough gritty place um you gotta you gotta you gotta know how to walk how to move you know you gotta pay attention to things it's just not one of them places you just can walk around and just think you in la la land because that's how you get hurt so mm -hmm. but coming up here in 96 it was like it was a culture shock you know i'm used to seeing african-americans 24 7 growing up that's all i saw um to moving up here and it was nothing but caucasians and i saw you know it wasn't as it wasn't as diverse as it is now right right so it was just a culture shock listening to how people talk you know minnesota slang and then you know you got the minnesota nice Mm -hmm. And it's just something you got to get used to. It's just one of those things like, but I got used to it. You know, I got real comfortable with not having to worry about hearing gunshots. Uh, just, you know, seeing drive-bys, seeing gangs like 24-7, have, having to walk in a large group because anything could happen. Like, right. so being here was just like, all right, there's a lot of, you know, people that's not my skin color. Is a lot of you know different ways of talking here, um, but other than that, like I was happy. Like I, I'm just happy that my mom made that move to get us here because honestly, if I was in Gary, I don't know where I'd be at right now. And I'm not saying it in a bad way or anything. I'm, I'm saying, saying I could have mm -hmm. still been the same person I am today, but I, you know, who knows? You know, circumstances, just the luck of the draw. You know, you mm -hmm. never know. So I'm just, you know, I'm happy she got us away from the nonsense and got us some clarity as, as far as kids and a nice upbringing. Your mom, when you were talking about her, uh, reminded me a lot of my mom because uh, uh, when I left home, I, it was like three things I said. I'll, I'll never move back in the, in, <laughs> into my mom and dad's house. Uh, I, I'll, I'll never write back for money. I kind of violated that one I guess, my first year <laughs> of college or so. And the first chance I get, first money I get, I don't make sure I buy them something. And uh, yeah. I bought them a dinette set that's still down there, the low dinette nice. set. So, yeah. Uh, so she remember. But here's the thing. Uh, one of the things my mom used to 
teach us, and she was Southern, and she had a simple way of putting a lot of wisdom into her saying. Uh, she had a saying that says, bad company will bring you to a bad end. In other words, watch who you hang out with. So having an understanding of a lot of these inner cities, it's hard to avoid the bad crowd. You know what I'm saying? That how are you? And once again, you indicated with your friend, people see things happening and they think these are bad people. And what they don't understand, they're not necessarily bad people, but they're just put in situations and environments where bad things are going to happen and all kinds of temptation. And if you're not schooled or how to handle situations ahead of time, and you're just acting out of emotion and passion, you, you, some crazy things would happen. But where I'm trying to get to, Zach, how did you avoid hanging out with the wrong crowd? Or did you avoid hanging out with the wrong crowd? So don't get me wrong. Um, I've had a bunch of, I, got, I, I literally have a bunch of friends that I went to school with that's locked up for murder, mm -hmm. um, theft, uh, robberies. I mean, I just, I look at it as, so just like you said, a lot of my friends' were upbringings were rough. You know, they they did things because they felt lack thereof other things. Mm -hmm. Whether that mean their dad, their mom, money, uh, resources. Um, but like I said, my mom made sure that we had everything that we wanted as far as just wants, you know, but um, as far as like, how did I stay out of trouble? And like, like literally the way my cousin passed and the way everything happened, it just made me not ever in life want to go down that road. Right. So, you know, I see my friends doing bad things. They might go steal. That don't mean I'm going to go steal. Because right. at the end of the day, I, like I tell everybody, the only person you can control is yourself. So for there to be temptation, it's up to you as a person. And it's up to you to have that 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 um that that to wit that in that like that that um your morals, like you gotta be taught like these things and you actually gotta think about it. Like I tell everybody, just don't do things because you feel a certain way. You gotta actually be logical, you gotta make it make sense. Don't think, oh, well, if I go rob somebody, I'm going to make a lot of money. Because a lot of times people don't make really nothing. And you're risking your right. life and you possibly could take somebody else's life. So my things, like, my thing was always, like I say, I reverted always back to my cousin. Um, his name was uh, Taiwan. So I just never, I never wanted to be in a position like, my cousin because of other people. Like I said, my cousin was a good person. It's just, you got people out here that's envious or that just had like the streets don't care. So my thing was, like I said, I always was like, I'm not going to be a gang banger. I'm not going to be in a gang because at the end of the day, I'm not saying it's nothing. People do what they want, but I just told myself I'm a man before anything. And I always looked at gangs as not saying that they're not men, but you don't have your own thoughts. You don't have your own way of thinking. A gang is literally, all right, this is what you're going to do. You don't do it. We're going to do this to you. That's not That's not life. That's not how Man. you want to live. You want to be a free spirit. You want to walk and be able to not worry about 
oh, well, these people wear this color. I can't go over here. Like, that just never made sense to me. You know, us as Black people, we need to st learn how to, you know, we got to stop this this generational, like, this, I feel like it's a generational curse. People have family issues that, like, they literally bring on to their kids because oh, yeah. of either gang issues or street life, which that's not fair to how, like, how are you expect a kid to grow up with the right mentality when you're teaching them to hate another person because of some previous issues you had or a loved one you lost? Yeah, you can't bring back a life, but what's the point of keep taking lives? Cause you're not, it's not gonna make you feel no better. You know, yeah. so I just look at life as like, we all gotta, you know, like I said, I gotta start. I wanna be the start of the change. And if that means, you know, I keep planting these seeds in these young kids and these young African-American males, and I'm trying to show a lot of them, we need to learn how to put our egos to the side. Cause that's, I wanna say, one of the biggest issues with black men in general, our egos are terrible. And we don't know how to agree to disagree and move on with subjects versus arguing and try to prove I'm an alpha male or I'm big or I'm bad. Sometimes, you know what? You might think certain way, I might think a certain way, but we don't gotta argue and hate each other or come to blows because we don't agree on something. That's literally what a lot of stuff boils down to. So my mom told me just to, you know, think rational. You know, don't 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 just fly off the handle and do something you're gonna regret. So every move I make in life, I do it and I think about what what the repercussions of it can be and how far, you know, can I go with this or how how much can I help somebody? It's all calculated. Right. So that's my thing. I wanna teach more young men how to be calculated with how we think and more you know, being more able to articulate ourselves and understand that we're not always going to see eye to eye, but that don't mean I hate you as a man. person. You know, well, I, There's a lot of wisdom in what you're saying, young man. Uh, when I work with uh, young men, I uh, often have them write down, because a lot of it is thinking ahead of time, what you'll do in a certain situation, write down five or ten things they'll never do. So they can think about it ahead of time. No matter what happened, I'm not going to do this. Uh, and uh, you'll be amazed at how effective that has been uh, uh, in, in, in working with these young men. So I really uh, am impressed by uh, just what you were born with. Uh, but I, I can't leave without uh, hearing a little bit more about your fabulous mom. And and is she still uh, is she still living in the Twin Cities, I'm assuming? Say again, sorry. Is, is your mom still living in the Twin Cities in Minneapolis? No, she stays in Portage, Indiana. Portage. Okay. Did she ever? So she, she moved here and moved back? Yeah, she moved back. Okay. 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 Well, I'm not going to get into that now, but maybe another well, she, time. She didn't move uh -huh. to back to Gary. Like, Portage is right, like right. Maple Grove. Right, 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 right. In, right, right, in Indiana. Right. It's really a really, really nice city. Okay. And, and we're actually about that. But let's let's continue on. So you graduated from what, what high school here uh, in Minnesota? Cooper High. Cooper High. And then, uh, as I understand it, you after high school, I think you went to barber school and maybe some other – what What did you do after high school? Um, I went – so I started barbering school. It's crazy because that's a crazy story too. So I started barber school 2000 
2004, June, June of 2004, but it's a nine month program. So I started June, my mom moved back to Indiana in like November of that year. So I ended up moving out of my mom's house, got my own apartment at 18. And then my mom was like, well, I'm moving. I was like, I got a son. My son was already, um, he's about to be one. So I was like, I can't just leave my my son because like me and my dad, uh, our relationship wasn't, I'm not saying it wasn't the greatest because of him. It was just because I was young and, you know, being a young man, we, we have a lot of built up anger and animosity and not knowing and, or understanding the situation. So the older I got, I talked to my dad almost every other day, got to understand him. Um, he passed away at like 56. He had a stroke. Um, but, um, but yeah, so I just, um, sorry. What was the question again? <laughs> I kind of got lost. No, that's, the that's okay. I, I was just hitting on a little bit about your barber school and when did you go to barber school, oh, what you yeah. did after high school. So, and, go ahead. Uh -huh. Oh yeah. Sorry. So I got done with barbering school and, um, I want to say, May of like 2010 because I took a break mm -hmm. and I was like working odd jobs and like working at barbershop like without my license. I was just doing a whole bunch of stuff just to survive. So then I got my license in 2010 and then I was just working, 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 you know, just working at a shop pretty much after that. And then somewhere along the line, you figure I want to do something else. Somewhere along the line, uh, the idea of popcorn, I think, came into your mind and the business and things like that. Tell us about that transition. Uh, and this young man, just for our audience, Zach Redmond, he's a founder and owner and CEO of Redmond Gourmet Popcorn. And uh, uh, he just have a great story. Uh, so uh, somewhere along the line, you decided you're going to go into popcorn. Explain yeah. that to us, Zach. Uh, what what went through your mind there? All right, so so how that initially started, I I was making popcorn for so my youngest son, his name is Ziggy. So mm -hmm. I started making popcorn for his family, like his mom's side, for like holidays, and this was maybe 2014. So I'll just make like random flavors of popcorn. And then bring them to like family functions. And then one day they were like, you should start selling it. So I was like, cool, I I'll try it. And then I maybe came up with maybe six flavors and they was just all sweet. I didn't make savory flavors at the time. So I was just making flavors. And then my friend, his name is uh, Travis Kelly. He owns a shop called At The Shop. It's in Brooklyn Park on, uh, in on Xerxes. But um, I was selling like I, in sandwich bags, I was selling like little flavors. People liked it and stuff. Then I end up uh, having Ziggy, my son, and I stopped. I like just stopped making popcorn for like, like three years, three, four years. So then all of a sudden I like people to run into me and they'll be like, they wouldn't ask me about like my family or my life. They asked <laughs> about this popcorn. I'm like, what about it? Like, it's popcorn. You know, I'm thinking it ain't no big deal. It's just some popcorn. So then um, I was at a shop, stuff kind of, the pandemic hit, and it just got bad. Like, 
right. went through my savings really mm-hmm. quick. And I was like, man, I need to figure out something. Let me make some money. Let me figure out a way to make money. I was like, oh, I make popcorn, duh. So then I made like four different flavors. I, I bought some uh, some food safe bins from Restaurant Depot. I made my flavors. And then I was just like, you know what? Let me hop on social media and let me see what I can get out of it. So then I put a post up saying, I'm selling popcorn out of my trunk like people did CDs in the 80s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I got a big response to it, like a big, big response. So then where I was selling popcorn at in Brooklyn Park on 63rd and Zane, which, you know, was a hot spot over the summer, like, like the last summer, um, it was just getting bad shootings and stuff like that. So I was like, you know what? And this this what triggered me to be more professional. I said, all right, let me not sell out the trunk of my car. Let me find a little office space and and let me just kind of build it out to like a little popcorn store to where I'll be comfortable, my customers will be safe, and I'll I'll be more professional. So then I LLC my name. I went and found the suite. I built the suite out with the money that I saved for like six months. Um pretty much invested it all. I bought a big popcorn machine. Um, I learned about making savory popcorn with cheese. Like I did a lot, went to some seminars, just invested in myself. Mm -hmm. Um, Then all of a sudden it it was literally, oh, and it was another lady. uh, Her name was Jessica Winnie. She owns uh, Minnesota Black Box. So she is, I want to say, one of the people that helped me out a lot with starting. So she put my popcorn in one of her boxes. And then the Timberwolves got a hold of me after that. Then Minnesota Spokesman Recorder. Mm-hmm. Then um, I did some stuff with Sun Post. I did some stuff with uh, CCX News, Fox 9 News. Then the Stephen Colbert. So it was just like uh, uh, a continuous snowball effect. And like, I try to stay really active in it like as far as like with my with schools and stuff so mm-hmm. i did uh is a thing called uh geez what's the it was some scholars it was with robinsdale but i went to the um the minnesota science museum and i served over 600 people with popcorn me my nephew and my other son and then um then after that the stephen colbert thing happened the state shut me down and you know i went through all those things and but honestly like as crazy as it sounds i'm happy i went through it Mm -hmm. because now i could teach these young entrepreneurs the steps they need to take as far as in the food industry or starting a business the loop the the getting through the red tape because a lot of a lot of us is is afraid of the unknown and that's what scared me like when i was gonna first open my suite I'm not going to lie to you. I I talked to the people. They gave me like a 48 hour to like figure out what I was going to do. And I was like stressing. I was going to like, I was telling myself, like, I don't think I'm going to do good. Like I was worried about failing. And then uh, my mom was like, just go for it. Like, just go for it. You know, that's a lot of our, our, our worries and us being afraid of the unknown. Sometimes you just got to walk by faith and believe in yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Regardless on, because I'm a big believer in this. If you fail at something, you're not really failing because you're learning. 
You're not failing at anything. Mm -hmm. You're just learning a new way to live your life or a new way to do things. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. It doesn't mean that you're a failure. It just means that you might have to find another thing or another, you know, something else that you're more passionate about. Like, I like cutting hair, but I love making popcorn. Like, it's not a day where I work because I'm doing what I love. I, I, I Like, I do this. Like, I like for people to come in and try my popcorn, and they're like, I didn't think it was going to be this good. I'm just like, well, I do it out of, like, out of love for it. I don't do it. Like, I always told myself, if I make popcorn, I'm going to make something that you can't go buy at a store. There's no point, you know. Right, I don't right, right. Be, I don't want to be a revolving door. Right, I, right. I want to be a, a nostalgic thing. I want to be something that, say, when your kids are, or my kids, when they get to, in their 20s and 30s, I want my flavor of popcorn to be a taste that brings you back to right. when you're at a certain time in life. Because that's what food does. It just, yes. you'll have some food like, oh, that tastes like my, my grandma's food or my mom's food. And that's how I want Redman's popcorn to be. I want it to be a household name. I want it to be a staple, you know, and I want to be a taste that you just can't get anywhere. It's like, I got to go here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. That's a lot to unpack here. Uh, first of all, uh, I read somewhere that you've always loved cooking. Yeah. True? Okay. Yeah. And do you remember how old you were when you started cooking? Uh, Honestly, I was maybe about, probably about, when I really got into it, about 11, 12, yeah. somewhere around there. Like, I used to always be that kid in the kitchen with my mom. Like, what's that? What you putting in there? <laughs> Me too. And then, yep, yep, yep. so honestly, too, when I was in high school in Cooper, my 11th grade year, I did the, uh, no, sorry, my 12th grade year, I did, um, the the pre the college like college, I went to high school half the day, and I went to culinary art school at Hennepin Tech the other oh. half of the day. Okay, okay, yeah. And then the year prior to that, my eleventh grade year, I worked in the kitchen. I worked so I did the work program. I went to Cooper and I worked at Armstrong in the kitchen as a, like a, a server. So right, it's just food's always been. I guess in my life, I just never really thought about it. But <laughs> and this is kind of like. A digression here, but I gotta ask, why are you doing all this? You're still a young teenager. Uh, what do you, what are you doing for fun? Why, <laughs> in the few the few hours you had for fun, what 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 is you're working? Uh, going to high school, going to culinary art school, uh, working a lot. Uh, had all these great ideas, but you're still a, a young man, young teenager. Uh, what were the type of things, uh, safe things? healthy things you did for fun back in those days, Zach? Um, honestly, did, you, did you have fun? I mean, you might just worked all the time and that was your fun. Well, uh, well, just, just being a dad, like, well, I was, well, before me being a dad, but before that, like, I played basketball. Me and my brother played basketball like a lot, a lot. I used to play traveling ball from, so I played basketball from fourth grade to almost 10th grade I played ball that's that was my life like mm -hmm. me and my brother traveling all over Minnesota going to nationals in Florida Illinois so basketball was my passion and then my my ninth or no 
yeah, my ninth grade year, my cousin, we had a cousin named Jeff, and we used to go and, and train with him in Indiana in the summer, and he ended up passing away. And I honestly, I literally lost passion for like basketball. I didn't want to play no more. And then I got my first job at 14 working for a company called Tree Trust. Mm -hmm. And uh, I fell in love with working after that. I just like working and being able to, like I, I got my first check I'll never forget was like $170. I was making like $5.60 an hour. And my mom, I, it was funny because I got my check. Uh, like, mom, can you take me to cash it? Took me to cash it. She was like, all right, now get your deodorant, get some quarters to do your laundry. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's all this about? <laughs> Where it was teaching me how to be a man. So it was good. One other little thing I'm curious about. Uh, you start uh, making all this these different flavored popcorns. Did you think of the recipe in your mind? Did you go out and read somewhere? I know you said you went to some seminar, but how did you come up with the initial batch of flavored <laughs> gourmet popcorn? So honestly, how it happened, right? I I went on YouTube and I was just looking up like how to make just interesting popcorns. Mm -hmm. And then I found um this forum on google uh, just about like how to make different type of coatings and stuff like that so i kind of mm -hmm. found something i like i tweaked it a little bit to make my own kind of base i got like a base coating and i just ran with it from there so it's like literally everything i could add to it um it's just my little thing people been asking me man how do you get it to it doesn't get soggy. It doesn't get this. I'm like, I can't tell you. It's, I mean, secret. <laughs> it's like the kernel in the secret recipe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, the, the first time you made this gourmet popcorn, I'm assuming you did not have any type of commercial equipment or big pots or anything like that. Well, what did you pop this what well that's what i say pop because more than pop what did you use to make this gourmet popcorn when you started out um so i originally was using bag like like uh microwavable popcorn you have to oh, okay. bag in and do it that way uh -huh, uh -huh. and then i was like man I, <laughs> this is so funny because i've literally back in the day i burnt uh -huh. out like five or six microwaves because like <laughs> just popping 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 I'm like this is crazy so then i figured out how to make actual like the carnival style so i just bought a big machine on amazon i'll go to a distributor to get these uh a certain type of kernel because a lot of people don't know is they have like four or five different popcorn kernels they got mm -hmm. butterfly mushroom hybrid some other stuff. It's just, it's crazy. You wouldn't mm -hmm. think you'd be like, what? So mm -hmm. I literally found a certain oil I like, a certain kernel I like. It's all, you know, like I said before, it's all calculated. And, and I thought about all of this before because I've mm -hmm. tried other kernels and I'm like, I don't like this. Like, I don't like it at all. And then I found the one I liked. I was like, so I, so yeah. <laughs> okay. So. By the way, to the audience out there, you know, we are live and sometimes I make mistakes and I like that risk. Uh, but I think in the promo, 
uh, I indicated that you were on the late show with uh, David Letterman. Apologize. Oh, was... It, was, it was Stephen Colbert. Yeah. And uh, so I, we want to straighten that out. Well, and where I'm getting to, explain how all that came about. I mean, were you just sitting around one day popping popcorn? The phone rang, and someone said, hey, "We're the booking agent for Stephen Colbert. We'd like give us a little detail on that. How you ended up nationally recognized, uh, Zach, for you calling me popcorn? So, so how that came about was I did an interview with CCX News. Is a guy named Dalen. He uh he's a reporter. So he did his first story on me. And uh somehow, some way, uh CBS ended up getting getting hold of that interview. So yeah. they called me in May. And like, so my thinking is this, right? I'm sitting there, I get an email. It's like, yeah, there's such and such from CBS. We want to know if you want to do a commercial, da 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 So in my head, I, I called my mom. I said, Mom, I think some people trying to, like, scam me or something. Like, <laughs> this is not real. You know what I mean? Right, right. So then time goes on. I do a couple of more interviews. Then they hit me up in September. They're, like, through email again. They're like, are you vaccinated? I'm like, what? I'm like vaccinated, like what? So I'm like, no. They're like, well, we need you to get vaccinated so we can fly you out here in November, so we can um get this commercial started. So I'm like, oh man, it's getting real. So I go get my first dose. Then they come and they come to fly to Minnesota two days after I get my first dose. So I'm like, oh man, this must be real. You know, they're coming. They did some shots of New Hope came to my shop and stuff. And then they're like, all right, once you get your second dose, we're going to fly you out to New York for, it was initially, it was supposed to be two days, but then I get there, I end up staying for four days, which was amazing. And then, uh, they, they, out, they flew me out. I was in Manhattan. Then we shot the commercial in New Jersey. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It just, it was an eye-opening experience. So well, yeah. so there's a commercial out there that you're in, a, a, a well-done professional commercial out there, right? Somewhere, <laughs> Zach? I'm, 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 I'm going to find that, number one. And so does that mean you were actually live in person as uh, Colbert's guest? No, so, oh, okay. uh, uh, yeah, I never got to meet Colbert, mm -hmm. but I met a lot of his staff and, you know, stuff like that. We had We haven't actually met. So a lot of people think that I really like I know him, but I I haven't got to meet the guy yet. But hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, I get to fly out there again and actually meet him because he actually helped my life and helped my business tremendously. And I, you know, I, I don't know how how to thank him more, you know, besides maybe come going out there giving him a handshake. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, here's the thing. Uh, I like uh, what you said earlier when you were thinking about renting, leasing the space. And you talk to your mom, and she says, you're going to step out on faith uh, uh, because I do believe in that. And, uh, you know, you don't know, but I was born uh, and raised a Southern Baptist. So we believe that you walk by faith and not by sight. And so that has always worked for me, and I'm glad that it's turned out this way for you. And it also goes to show you the harder you work, the luckier you, you get. And I really love the fact that uh, you have talked about your work ethics and your discipline and the training. In fact, boy, you seem like a, 
a very focused young man uh, all of your life. Now, okay, so you, you go on, you're nationally getting national recognition. And somewhere down the line, I'm assuming someone from the local city government or somewhere found something wrong with what you were doing. And you had to do something differently. Explain yeah. all. Did, did did somebody call you up one day and say, "Hey, Mr. Redmond, you, uh, Houston, we got a problem here." How did that all, all happen? And uh, well, the right. city so, basically was giving you a hard time about something. Yeah. So, so the day after the Stephen Colbert show aired the commercial, um, that was on a Sunday, I want to say, or Monday, whichever day. But the very next day. I opened my shop. I had a line. I mean, it was crazy. I literally sold out of everything. I didn't have nothing left. But then at the end of the day, the health department came and uh, they were like, yeah, your, uh, your shop's illegal. Um, you need to be making your, your, your popcorn in a commercial kitchen. If you're going to be selling retail, um, you need a you need a, a safe serve license. You need a, and to get this place open, you need an event license, and you need something else. I was devastated. I'm like, man. Yeah. So then I was like, all right. I shut down immediately. They gave me two weeks, but they told me that my shop was illegal. And like I told you before, I never want to be tied into anything illegal or anything that's not right. So you right. guys tell me I got two weeks or you got I got two weeks to stay open, but I still need to figure these things out. So instead of taking it as a money grab and staying open those two weeks, I just I shut effectively like immediately. I made a post, told people, because in my head I said, you know what? Maybe it's something that I gotta figure out. And I it was my way of like I really looked at it like God was telling me because I've been telling people for the last year, I'm gonna ship, I'm gonna ship. I'm gonna just, I'm trying to figure it out. With all that happening, I had to figure out shipping. I mean, like that, mm -hmm, within mm -hmm, a couple mm -hmm. days, I figured out shipping. So I, was, I shipped like maybe 30 orders, but then I figured out with the license that I had at the time, I can't ship. It was FDA laws, there's certain things I can't do. So I was devastated, like I was like, I ain't gonna lie, I was crushed. I broke down. I was like, I don't know. I just kind of gave it to God. I was like, just, just show me what I need to do. Like, just, just whatever you think that I need to do, or you know, what, what would be the best next, the next best step for me. So the next morning I wake up, I swear to you, some came over me. I was like, go on the internet get my safe serve license i was on it i studied one day i was in class for maybe eight hours to get my food service license i did that but after i got that it was like a snowball effect i felt like god was telling me dude you done came all this way for what you gonna give up because of a hurdle right they're right. not telling you you can't right you just gotta make you got to make a, a effort. You got to make a conscious effort to to do better. So I was like, I, I got out. I got out of this little run I was in. I said, once I pass this test, ain't nothing gonna stop me. I started my. I started class at like, like. 
two in the afternoon. I didn't get done almost one of my tests. Like right here above me and God, and I was happy. It was weight lifting. Zach Will, your your Wi-Fi signal is decreased. That's My Wi-Fi signal. See, can we get you? Yeah, it's has decreased on us, and you're breaking up a little bit. But let's let's okay. You're you're good there. Let's keep charging on here, because uh, we got to be tenacious in everything we do, uh, and not give up. Uh oh, it went oh. All right, let's see. Are we? That's a little better, Zach. But okay, so the, the, the government regulation people giving you a hard time, and they're going through that checklist and saying you are not this and this and this and that. Uh, and you got you down temporarily, but you woke up the next morning, you realized there was something spiritual going on here, and there was a test for you spiritually. You passed the test. And you went out, and last I uh, recollect is you were getting your soft serve license or something like that. Uh, pick up from there. Oh, uh, safe serve. Safe serve. Safe serve. Okay, yeah. Okay. So you got you got your safe serve license. You got everything uh, in place that they were requiring for you to do. Is that correct? Yep. Okay. Okay, and then somehow. If I understand this correctly, uh, you ended up in the New Hope uh, Cinema uh, building, and uh, as uh, you partnered with them, I think that's the proper word for us. Tell us what happened there, and and who initiated that business relationship, and how that went. So initially, how it happened, um, the owners, his name is Zach Pack. And his wife, Barbara, they hit me up through Facebook. And they were like, well, we see you need a space to make popcorn. We got a kitchen. We got a big popcorn machine. You know, you got you can come here and use us. Like, you don't got to pay us anything. It was just a blessing. That's why I said, like, yeah, right, right, right. God uh -huh, works uh -huh. in mysterious ways. So yes, that happened. So then my mom was actually here visiting. And I, I, I was like, Mom. I was like, you know what would be cool if they had an open space in the lobby of the movie theater where I could just pretty much take over the space. It was crazy. We literally walked in. We seen the popcorn space. And I asked Zach, I was like, do you guys, can I go see the lobby? He was like, yeah. So we walk upstairs. I see the curtain. I'm like, what's behind that curtain? He was like, none, just some chairs we use for storage. I was like, could I see the space? He was like, yeah, open the thing. I was like, man, I was like, I'm like, let me get that space, man. I was like, I think I can move my popcorn store from across the street over here, you know, and we can we can kind of do something together, you know, like it just makes sense. The movie theater, my popcorn, you know, you're you're a staple in the community. I'm starting to be pretty much my own, you know, brand and like a kind of staple a staple myself. So it was just like a perfect marriage. And then once I got to talking to him and just realizing like he's a super down to earth person, just like me, and he's a very humble soul. So 
I was like, it just, it just worked. And then I moved over there. I started painting. I laid my floor. Um, and it just came together. And it just, like I said, like God works in mysterious ways and you never know what he has planned. You just got to keep pushing, you know, and you never know, you know, as the older people say, a closed mouth don't get fed. Right. So right. I said, let me just plant this seed. I planted a seed. I, I asked Zach about the space and it's crazy. Like I said, it's just crazy how God works. I just really felt like, like I said, that night he was just like, dude, uh-uh. like you're better than this. You're better than just giving up. Look at everything I've overcame already in the trials and tribulations of my life. So this was nothing. You know what I mean? It was just mm -hmm. me buckling, buckling down as a man and hey. being like, you know what? Let me let me stop looking at it as the state's picking on me because they're not. At the end right, of the day, right. everybody that has a business, they gotta go through this. So I look, right. I didn't look at it as well. They're picking on me. I'm a black man. Right, 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 right. At the end right. of the day, right, it's about it's about laws and regulations. It's not about my skin color because you know right. a lot of people were like, oh well, they just want to pick on the black man. No, no, when I'm not gonna let nobody paint that narrative. Right. They didn't pick on me. It was about right. me opening a business that wasn't legit. Right. And it right. was just me, me being overzealous and just jumping the gun. I didn't know. I was selling popcorn out the trunk of my car. And to make my customer say, I said, let me just get a little office space. You know, so like I right. said, God works in mysterious ways. And I'm happy that I sat back that night and, you know, just breathe. And I was just being still. As they say, you just got to be still. Sometimes you got to sit and think and you got to, you know, process it. Right. So. You are a great example of what I preach about perspective, attitude, reaction, and tenacity. I call it P-A-R-T, part. And just just even the perspective on the regulation, people getting on you. Uh, there's a lot of people out there with the first thing they would, look at and stop at it's the race issue and and, and if you're like me sometimes it might be that but that's not where i'm going with it i'm gonna go right. with well like you did yeah well you know i am what doing what they say i'm doing and i shouldn't be doing it and just take it from there so i really love that and and, and the fact that you're passing on now uh some of the challenges out there and we're gonna start wrapping it up because respect your time i do know that COVID had some type of impact the pandemic on your business. Uh, give us a brief uh, idea of the impact that the cold pandemic had on your business. Oh, it got real. I mean, cutting hair and them shutting it down. And like I said, I went through my savings so fast. You know, you don't think about um, the money you're, 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 you're spending when you're bringing the money in. But when you got to fork money out and ain't nothing coming in, you're like, whoa, wait. <laughs> There's a lot going on and I ain't really, you know, just every day you don't think about. So after that happened, I was like, you know what? And then to the limit myself from being in contact as far as close contact with people for like like minutes, like at a time, like 15, 20 minutes cutting their hair. So let me just make some popcorn, pre-package it, boom. And I could just start People was pulling up to my apartment. I was running downstairs, dropping off popcorn, boom, boom, like just making it happen. Cause I was like, at the end of the day, I can't, 
stand still and I don't want to go down that road because it's you know how easy it is, you know, just mm-hmm. to do negative, you know. Yep. I go yep. I go get drugs or I could go take from somebody, but that's not yeah. me. I've never been that person. You know, I'm right. too, you know, I'm I'm too humble and too like kind-hearted of a person to ever take from anybody. I'll give before I take. So um it just made me look at life in a different light. And it was like, I, like I said, I'd be feeling like sometimes God, God, and like, he was like, what you about to do, brother? I mean, you either going to stay here or you're going to make something happen. I mean, what's up? So yeah. that's what I felt like. It was just, is you never know what God is going to bless you with. You just kind of right. just got to live your life and just, you know, live righteously. And I've been, I feel like you know, yep. I've been living life right. You know, I treat people, I, I mean, I'll treat everybody as best as I can. You know, I can't make everybody happy. That's not realistic. Right. But, right. Um, but yeah, that, you yeah, tend. I, to, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, you good. Go ahead. I was gonna say you tend to to get back what you put out. And I remember yeah. earlier in our conversation, you mentioned that you like all kinds of people and you don't hold anything against them. And I think all that's coming back on you, all your spirituality. A lot of people don't believe in it. Uh, but I'm like you, I do believe in that. Um, so uh, you hear a lot of people saying that a uh, young man like you cannot succeed in business because nobody's going to loan you money, blah, blah, blah. How did you overcome? I don't believe that, by the way. I, I, if you're looking for an excuse not to get something done, you can always find it. Uh, but uh, how did you deal? And I heard you say you had some savings built up. But did you have any issues with the financing or have you... Uh, mostly done it with your own money or friends or stuff like that? Or have you been dealing with banks and financial institution about, which of course you want to stay away from if you, if, unless it's, unless, unless it's without interest. And let me put it that way. You don't have to pay interest on it, but how have you been financing your business? I heard you mention earlier that you had a savings uh, initially, but uh, let's talk about that a little bit because I hear a lot of people using it as an excuse not to start a business or succeed in business. Well, so honestly, once everything hit the fan, like that mm-hmm. initial, uh, once the state closed me down, that initial day, I actually, I had a pretty, uh, you know, I had a nice, you know, profitable day that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but then after that, honestly, a guy named Jimmy, uh, God, what's his last name? I have to look it up, and t- t- but it's Jimmy and his wife. They end up uh, making a GoFundMe. For my, for my oh business. yeah right 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 that's all that so then a lot of people donated to that GoFundMe and honestly I put a lot of that back into my business just getting everything rebuilt um just doing the things I needed to do I got you know I had rent over there and stuff so right. you know like I said God it worked in mysterious ways a lot of people donated to help my business and make sure I was straight and they're like they didn't want to see me suffer so like right. you say um a lot of a lot of people reached out and helped me. To be honest, like right. a lot, a lot, a lot of people. So, so with all this worked. success, with all the success, Zach, uh, are you riding around in a, a Mercedes or, or, or a BMW? You know, that's a, that's what a lot of people go out and do. Uh, and you don't no. have to answer that. That was a ret- rhetorical question for you. Now, I, I, I do know, and you've hinted on it uh, during the course of this interview, that you have a sense of social responsibility. 
yeah. tell us about that uh, uh, briefly here, your sense of social responsibility, and what does that mean as far as what you're going to do with your life, what you're doing with your life? Um, Like I said, I, eventually I want to uh, start some some type of nonprofit organization to where I'm teaching uh, either at youth, at, at risk youth, or just youth in general to learn how to be an entrepreneur, you know, um, and I'll be able to give back to these schools. That's what I really wanted to do and right. be able to start a program to where I could teach kids, you know, economics. I could teach them shipping, receiving. I could teach them budgeting. I could teach them payroll. You know, there's a lot of things that we don't learn in school. And I feel like if I gave that back to the school or added a program that, you know, worked as far as with my popcorn business, I could teach them the ins and outs and I could give back to the school in the process too. So Man. that's what I really want to do. I just want to be able to, if I could save, you know, 10, 20 kids and teach them, you know, and guide them in the right direction. That I mean, my heart would be good, you know. I feel like right. my life, my, I mean, my life is meaningful now. You know, I got my own kids to raise and stuff, but I'm saying to be able to to reach out and to be able to give more of myself to the, the world and the community so we all be, you know, our, like have a better, you know, community because it's not how it used to be. You know, right, right, and, it, and right. I feel like a lot of us young men that's my age, we just got to step up. We got to step right. up. We got to put these big boy pants, these big boy shoes on, and we got to start leading by example, you know, right. and I feel like, you know, I'm a great example of what success can look like, the things you can overcome and how to, you know, instill morals, like just to instill morals into these guys and uh, right. make the so, world a better place one step at a time. I love it. Uh, so uh, just don't forget you can do a lot by having these young people that you want to mentor and teach stuff working in your business and learn from there. And I know that's what was what's part of your plans here. So when we look at uh, your gourmet popcorn business, when we look at your uh, life as an entrepreneur in general, where do you want to take this and how far you want to go? Uh, uh, I'm assuming I'm one of these days, I'm going to walk into the uh, grocery store somewhere and I'll see uh, Redmond's gourmet popcorn selling on the shelf if I, it's not already. But where do you want to take, first of all, your gourmet uh, popcorn business? And secondly, uh, yourself as an entrepreneur, entrepreneur in general? So I keep telling my mom, and, and I, I, I'm going to put this out in the universe. I'll be telling, this probably be me telling everybody this first time ever. So I have a plan. I call it my 1010 plan. My mom's like, what is the 1010 plan? So I plan on eventually, hopefully, I can sell my name to a company and my oh, brand to mass produce. Mm -hmm. But then my mom's like, so what's 1010? I said, 10 million. I need 10 million up front for my name. Then I want 10% of the gross revenue off my name for my family for life and their life. That's it. Okay. That's 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 that. the ultimate goal. I want to be able off oh, and two. 
the first thing I'm gonna do when I do get big is I'm buying my mom a house. And that's that's what I've been wanting to do. And I've been telling my mom that forever. So once I'm in a position financially, my mom will have a house and everything else will be pieces and cream after that. As long as she's sitting pretty, I'm good. My heart's content. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I'm with you every step of the way here. So uh, I'm going to respect your time. Yeah, we're going to wrap it up here. But here's the thing. And we uh, both know that there are young men out there who need some of the mentoring and guidance that uh, older guys like me and younger guys like you and probably more so can provide uh, to them. Uh, for all those young, let's say young brothers out there who from a similar background, who is surrounded by gangs and drug activities uh, and who maybe not have uh, the proper uh, mentoring and who dads might not have been in their lives like your, yours were, what message would you give them when they're walking around uh, thinking that basically there's little value to their life and even less value to the lives of the people around them where they see little hope or I will use a line, which is one of my favorite verses from a song, uh, Bobby Womack's Across 110th Street. That's the theme from that movie. He has a line in there that says, been down so long, getting up never crossed my mind. What would you say to young people out there who's in that situation? Um, I always said this to myself. Everything that I'm going through is temporary. Pain, the struggle, the feeling hopeless, you're valuable. You're very valuable. You're valuable to you. You're valuable to your family. You're val valuable to your friends. Don't ever give up on yourself. You got to believe in yourself and you got to stay true to you. You got to stay true to yourself and do what your heart says, not what you're feeling it like not not like what other people are telling you to do. You know, if you feel there's something wrong, don't do it. Don't don't just leave, you know, cause somebody else is doing it, don't make you cool. You know. So I was always the type of kid that just just stayed to myself and, and stayed true to me. So that's why yeah. I said to any all the kids to stay true to yourself and to do what makes you happy. Yeah, you are a true inspiration, young man. Like I said, great perspective, great attitude, great way of reacting to things, a certain tenacity, uh, spiritual. Now, one last thing we got to delve in just quickly here. And uh, mm -hmm. you mentioned a twin brother. You mentioned yep. two sons, at least, I think. Uh, what's your twin brother doing nowadays? His name is Zarek Redman, and he cuts hair. He has a barbershop. Okay, yeah, you tell me. Okay, cuts. good. Okay. And you have two children. You're going to escape me here on this interview, but I will see you out at, out at your popcorn place. And, and I'm just warning you right now, I'm like, uh, I'm going to ask you, Zach, when are you going to marry the mother of these kids? And why didn't you? But we aren't going to get on that. Because eh, 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 eh. <laughs> I always give young men a <laughs> hard oh, time about that. But we'll deal sure. with that in person when I see you. 
Uh, but okay. I, I just want to I just want to thank you for being on. I really admire everything you're doing. I think uh, you're a good example for everyone else out there uh, from these tough neighborhoods. And there's some tough neighborhoods out there. And I'm like you. Uh, you know, I'm trying to give a young man like you and young women like you shoulders to stand on. I tell everybody uh, there were some people out there, men and women, who helped raise me and set examples for me, and I feel like I'm standing on their shoulders. So I uh, really appreciate everything you're doing. I'm going to come out and try your gourmet popcorn. Uh, I really, and we're not going to get into that here either. It was It's curious, though, in a way, your pop gourmet popcorn shop is kind of competition to the popcorn they were already popping at that movie theater. And so I, 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 that is, I mean, isn't it? I mean, they were already selling popcorn. Why would they? And I'm assuming they're making good money off that popcorn. Uh, why would they invite you in to be competition to? Well, let's answer that for our audience. Let's not leave them hanging before we go. That's the last thing we're going to answer here today. How is it that they invited you in to sell your popcorn when they're really already selling popcorn and making a lot of money off of it, Zach? Well, they they sell they just sell uh, plain like plain butter popcorn, like movie theater popcorn. I, 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 I don't sell. I don't sell butter popcorn. <laughs> right, but it seemed like you would be a competition to. That would be a certain percentage of customers who, instead of buying their regular butter popcorn, gonna want your gourmet popcorn. Am I understand the business relationship and the logistics of the business relationship and co-location? Am I understanding <laughs> that properly? Because when I when I think about it, I'm like, okay, instead of buying regular butter, butter popcorn, I'm gonna go buy Zach gourmet popcorn, and that's gonna <laughs> make them lose the money. So. Uh, Answer that quickly here, and we're going to let you go, and I'm going to go, too, and let our audience go. Oh, no. It, it's it's a good marriage, man. We, me oh, okay. and uh, Zach, okay. the owner, we, we worked uh -huh. it out, man. It's, it's we yin and okay. yang, you know? <laughs> we make it work. <laughs> All right. Well, Zach and Zach, uh, thank you, yep. uh, young man. Uh, I will yep. be out there to test your popcorn. Uh, admire everything you're doing. Keep going. I'm going to look for the day where your name is going to be a brand all over the place. And I'm going to say, yeah, Zach got his first 10. I know that. Well, Zach got his 10 and 10. And yes, I'm going to be happy for you. And keep passing along. Keep going out there, finding other young entrepreneurs, because I don't think it'll ever be fair until it's economically fair. And the only way to make it economically fair is we participate in private enterprise and compete and offer better goods and services that people want to buy. And we risk our money like you did to do that. And anything less than that, I don't know what these other people are thinking. I mean, this is a free enterprise, America competitive. And so go out there, compete, get it done. And I look forward to your 10 and 10 and look forward to seeing you in person. So once again, uh, our audience, Mr. Zach Redmond, owner of found and owner of redmond gourmet popcorn uh go out and visit the website i think someone from my show uh posted that and once again uh this is lacey johnson with bright lights go out to my website lacyjohnson.com subscribe uh click the bell for notification go to my souvenir store buy some souvenirs and donate to the program so thank you a lot zach and we'll be in touch and uh if there's any way i can help you achieve what you uh trying to get done i will do that 
Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Thanks, our audience. Uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, I'm planning on having, I think, uh, uh, military guests to discuss some of the international things that's going on, strategic things. A Navy SEAL, that's my plan. I hope to bring in a Navy SEAL here and a Harvard-educated uh, young man and talk about that. So thanks a lot, everybody. Lacey Johnson, tune in again next week. Bright lights. Go out and visit the website, LaceyJohnson.com, and support the program. Thank you very much.